Welcome to Ask Mel and Maddie. I'm Mel. And I'm Maddie. And we're really excited because today we're recording our first episode with actual questions from you guys. So we actually had quite a lot of questions and we selected a few to answer today. We had some really great questions, so thank you so much for writing in. Yeah, we're really <laughs> excited. We decided to start with maybe one of our favorite questions. I mean, we like them all, but this one is really good. Okay, something we wanted to tell you as well is we're thinking of keeping all the questions anonymous because uh, first, I didn't ask for names anyway on the form on the website, so it's just emails. But, you know, we want people to be able to ask questions without worrying because they might want to ask questions that they don't want other people to know that they've asked or whatever. So it's all anonymous. So anonymous number one asks, starting from zero at an older age, I don't even have a solid drawing practice, but want to accomplish my dream of illustrating a children's book. Any advice and tips? Thanks. I thought this was a really interesting question uh, to start off with. Obviously, there's a couple of different parts there that I draw out on. Um, The older age thing, I think, is... It just doesn't matter. There are so many examples of people that come to like children's illustration later in life. The first one I thought about was Judith Kerr, who did the tiger who came to tea and Mog and all of that stuff that you see. She was 45 when she first did oh, wow. an illustration. Yeah. So it's just, I think it doesn't matter what age you approach it. I guess the other interesting part of it was that it's, I'm curious to know what their dream actually is. Is it the dream to just have a children's book? out there like just at all because in which case you could start doing one right now and get it self-published there's publishing places on all sorts of places it's just so that's still an option but maybe more what you meant was how do I start getting into the industry or like actually having stuff published and being noticed by actual publishers and in which case I think the starting point is just having a portfolio of work so I know they say they don't have much like drawing experience was yeah. that right don't have a solid drawing practice practice yeah which is interesting I think that's where you want to start yeah you want to practice you want to draw a lot I mean it's the key isn't it to build a portfolio yeah. and just keep doing it and doing it I mean I guess the thing I'd say maybe they have the dream of like having a story out there and what story do they want to tell before they've thought about the drawing part which I think maybe might be the way that a lot of people see it they're like I want to tell this story but I don't have the like drawing to back it up but I think it's just I don't know it doesn't seem that it depends I guess though because you could want to just illustrate so that's the key as well does this person just want to illustrate children's book or does she want to write right a, a kid, yeah. like write actually the story because we we've done like I've never actually we've talked about this in the intro episode where yes. you can either just illustrate someone else's story and work with a, like an author or you can you know write the story and illustrate it so I guess yeah, yeah it's knowing if they have a story in mind yeah exactly and there's different avenues news to go down in terms of if you want to write your own stories I almost think that's like an easier place to start but if you're just want to have a book out there because you know I was the same where I didn't necessarily have specific stories that I we, again we talked about this but having it like early on and knowing like the stories I want to tell but I do love illustrating so I had it the other way around I think the other thing about wanting to do children's book is also consuming a lot of them and Mm -hmm. almost like you know studying doing the market research looking at things out there even though again we talked about in the intro you 
allowed and you should do whatever you want to do and not necessarily feel like you have to do anything that's already out there. It's nice to know what's up and, you know, just get inspired that way and be like, oh, and, and learn about publishing houses if you want to go down that route. Yeah, just do a little bit of market research. It's always nice to do. Yeah, and I feel like if it is something you want to go down the actual like publishing house route, then yeah, doing your research about what other people are looking for and you can literally start by building up your portfolio. That is the step one, isn't it? Like once you've got the portfolio, then you can start actually pitching. But I think most people want to see the ideas that you have or the way that you work. So without that foundation, I think, yeah, you've just got to build onto it and show that you can kind of do a full book, I guess. If you're yeah. really starting from from scratch, people want to know that they can trust you to, to do the full thing. Do you feel like it's important to have almost everything in your portfolio in terms of just drawing practice? Because I feel like for some industries, they want to know, you know, it's the famous thing where the art director will be looking at your portfolio and if you've not drawn a tree, they'll assume yeah. you can't draw a tree, which <laughs> yeah. is a bit stupid. But do you think then it's worth having a very full portfolio of loads of different things? Yeah, I think it could always, it's never going to hurt, is it, to have as much as you can possibly possibly fit in I think the one bit of advice I always give for children's books is like draw children and it's such an obvious thing but it's like the amount of like I didn't do it when I came straight out of university and I was applying to different um agencies like literary agencies and it's like oh I actually prefer to draw like animals and older characters and even though obviously there's lots of you know older characters and, and animals in children's books people just want to see the the market that they're working with and to know I think you be a lot more successful if you practice and practice during the age that you're making the work for. One thing I wanted to come back on about the older age thing is something I've been thinking a lot about because I had on the podcast when I talked to Margot, Mike Dade, mm, who also yeah. came into painting, so not children's book, but art, we're just talking about art in general, or thinking about Lisa Condon, a lot of women that came into, you know, their their own, their thing a bit later on. I always think that it makes so much sense mm. to do that later on because when you think about it the older you get the more you know yourself the more you know what oh, you want I was thinking about that too possibly you've had kids and you don't have to look after them yeah. or maybe you've not had kids and you've got more time like you're kind of prime time to do what you want and follow a passion I so, think it's really yeah. interesting when you come from a different background to then bring that into your stories in terms of like life experience I always think of the illustrator Kate Beaton who uh, came from like a history background she does loads of comics and and really funny really intelligent sort of comic work and yeah like I just think that background that she had informed the rest of her illustration stuff and really got it sort of going so I think having any other kind of experience is actually a blessing and I don't think it should be a thing that you're embarrassed about or being like oh I'm so late to the game I just it's just not a thing is it really like I think it helps create something new and you might come to it from a completely different way to a person who's gone through art school and gone through all those things the only thing that's important again is just when you mentioned your drawing practice um I love that we're switching between you and they but that's fine it's mm -hmm. okay that's important and that's maybe the difference with someone who started earlier on and has been practicing this whole time like you do need to put in the hours yeah to draw get get your style ready um you know and create your whole kind of universe of characters and whatever and, that looks yeah. like as well like it can be you know I mean I always kind of hold myself back from saying the word simple because simple can be the most complicated thing to draw ever so it takes a lot of practice to even know what simple illustration but you know what I mean there's there's more ways to draw 
children's books than the really like detailed in kind of where's Wally style stuff like you can start small and, and build up but if you've got an interesting story or interesting characters like that's yeah where it all starts I think yeah and then I guess in terms of actually publishing which is the last point like you mentioned earlier on you can definitely do it on your own like you said if you want to get a book out there there's so many platforms online where you can print your own book it won't be amazing quality I never think it's amazing quality because I love paper and different you know finishes and you can't really get unless you want to put the money up front to do it you know it can it can be a bit of a gap in people who can't afford to do that which is understandable but in terms of pitching and everything that's like you mentioned something you want to do once you've got a really good portfolio but it's about all you need anyway so and then it's just talking to loads of different people about it and I'd say a portfolio when we talk about that it's going to be at least like 20 illustrations of, of stuff that you like I think around that just for for children's books as far as I'm aware I think you can also pitch books like I've seen it because yeah, I'm yeah. yeah you can pitch stories you don't need to have done the whole book no. but if you already have a story in mind and you're also writing it let's say the story you can pitch with a couple of full pages yeah usually and... it sounds like people like to see a cover a couple of spreads so the yeah. two-page kind of open book illustrations and then maybe some character turnarounds if that's particularly like it's just good to do that to again show that you can do the full book yeah so that's yeah the way you want to approach it but that's exciting that's an exciting yeah good luck oh it's so nice (laughs) it's like a conversation we're like let us know (laughs) yeah definitely let us know how you get on and and always ask for feedback for your work like show your work Mm, share your work you know get it out there even if you feel like it's not ready just share it yeah you'll progress anyway you'll change But yeah, okay, that's it for that question. Second question from Anonymous number two. I won't keep doing that because it's boring, I know. Um, (laughs) Where do you search for freelance jobs? What are your tips on how to find new clients and projects? It's a funny question because we get asked for it a lot. And Mm. it's like, there's no magical place to find projects and clients. In terms of jobs, I always look at jobs on like Behance or If You Could Jobs. Or LinkedIn. Um, it's just nice to see what's out there. But what would you say? Do you look? Do you ever look at as well? Yeah, I do. I definitely keep an eye out. But as you said, it's hard when it's like every now and again that works. But and it's more just to have like a spread of kind of options. And the more options you have, the more likely you are to get something from it. And there's a lot of rejection. Or actually, for me, it's probably more like not hearing back at all. Yeah. So it's like the more that you apply for stuff, and the more. But to, to look for more, I think for me, I've often found that being quite like actively following people on social media and like checking out what they are looking for. And I'm talking about following art directors and um, like publishers, obviously, like uh, editors. And just to, it sounds more cynical when you say it like that, but I am genuinely interested in what these people want to like be looking for. But it is a really good thing to just keep updated with like the kind of stuff. And there are call outs that happen. However, I was thinking about this as I was thinking how to answer this question. And I would say that call outs can so quickly get uh, piled on and and people who are like, oh, we're looking for an illustrator on Twitter, for example. And it's like it's really, really hard to get uh, your stuff to be like seen and it it can work and it it definitely has worked for me in the past if it's a super niche thing um that they're looking for but I would say to contact people directly or to as I said 
following them actively on social media to then try and build up a sort of relationship because quite often what will happen is I'll follow someone and they'll follow me back and then it feels like we have a bit more of a start of a conversation yeah. and a, um, it's nerve-wracking like I don't <laughs> yeah. it's like not always something that I can follow my own advice about but I think it is really useful to just start building like those kind of relationships I guess from real people because yeah to find brands like a brand feels very no, un- yeah, unapproachable to me yeah I think this is making me think there's so many different ways you can get new projects and mm-hmm. clients what's worked for me is definitely reaching out as well yeah and um it's like either LinkedIn LinkedIn has been amazing recently for me to yeah, the point think- where you'll see things go like I recently I'll tell you an example without naming any brands because <laughs> it's I'm gonna sign an NDF for it so I can't say anything but uh this big brand had a collab with a smaller studio kind of thing. Actually, what happened is a, a friend, an illustrator friend of mine said, oh, that kind of looks a little bit like your work. Like you mm. should say something. I don't like how it looks like your work. And I thought, oh, come on. I mean, my work is not that. I, I find it hard to fight for these things because unless it's like exactly yeah, the same thing, I'm like, come on, we're all living in the same melting pot of art and, and colors and stuff. So I'm not that original. But anyway, but I said, okay, you know what? I will say something, but more in the likes of, hey, like, love that new collab. Like, if you liked this, yeah, you'll if you love. like this, you'll probably love my work. Something yeah. like that, but not as that sounds bad. <laughs> um, and I, so I, I messaged on LinkedIn both the brand's person that was tagged in, which was a designer slash kind of art director, and so a person, mm-hmm. and the other the studio as well and they both got back to me and I'm ending up having a project with that big yeah, brand uh, which is insane it doesn't always happen but my point is you just gotta go for it yeah. you just gotta find little ways of entering conversations with these people and being like hey yeah this is me that's exactly it and that that comes with you know having the portfolio which yes, again is of just course. like work that you've already sort you of need work behind it. you when you do that they yeah. need to see yeah and you need to select that sounds obvious when you think about it, but it's not for certain people. But you need to research the brands or the clients enough that you know they might like your work back. Yeah, that's definitely something to be said, like uh, to be really specific with the people that you're trying to approach. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I could say here that like, I mean, I literally said at the beginning, like, oh, yeah, you've got to there are more options, the more likely. But I'm still doing that in a very like specific way and wanting to approach the brands that I think will actually get the most out of my work. And that, of course, is going to mean that you're going to more likely get a response. Um, yeah. And also approach brands that already work with whatever you're doing. So with illustrators, designers, yeah. like letterers, whatever. Um, because it's more likely they'll be like, oh, yeah, cool. You're an amazing illustrator. I want to work with you, too. I just did this collab and it went really well. And yeah. And in the same way, um, I thought about like finding specific like agencies and it doesn't have to be the exact brands because the agency can be the person who connects with you. So to look for kind of I think more agencies are just in cities. That's generally I mean, being close to London, that's where all of the agency kind of things go. So you can again, LinkedIn is really useful to look up illustration and the there's a different word for agency and obviously the... Yeah, no, people, you don't mean illustration agencies. I mean, you like mean like design, design agencies, agencies and yes. design studios, yeah. especially for bigger brands. Mm-hmm. Bigger brands usually use them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they hire illustrators and mm-hmm. more like specific people. Yeah, and they're usually really good. And usually, same thing, art directors. Art directors are usually the people you want to be friends yeah. with. Yeah, yeah and it, but it starts with that person, doesn't it? Like yeah. As opposed to just emailing like lush at 
yeah oh that's just a good brand <laughs> yeah i need to that's i need to do that for 2024 is i do it all the time but i've got like a list of brands on my phone mm, that i like that's just um, always been one for me yeah Can i, I don't put know. it out there <laughs> i don't know if they do a lot of collabs with they i don't do. think they need, they, do they they definitely not... do with the like uh wrap scarves oh and you're right yeah yeah, yeah. i was thinking of the packaging mm-hmm. see there you go mm-hmm. um but a little bit of advertise, advertising, advertisement for me. I'm doing a workshop on Mimi at the end of the mm. month on how to lend your dream clients. Yeah. And I'm going to be talking, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be talking about how it works for me to lend, to lend my dream clients and all the things you can apply as well and do to lend your dream clients. Okay. Great. Shall I do the next question? Yes, please. <laughs> so this one, do you think that someone who loves creating different things needs to concentrate in one field when wanting to go freelance? This is interesting because when I first read it, I thought, do they mean field in terms of industry? Like in terms of whether you want to go into children's books or uh, pattern design or anything, or do they mean style or like concentrate in one area so generally when I think about the industry I think not necessarily but I think it's important to when you're first starting out just keep focusing on the stuff that you get the most excited about and I guess when you're starting out you're like well I don't know what I get most excited about so there is a bit of exploration that has to happen there I guess that time between you uh experimenting isn't necessarily like the time that you're going to definitely get the work in so it's like you've got to kind of be self-motivated to kind of make the portfolio for the stuff that you want to be creating and that should hone down over time I mean we talked uh, in the first episode about me changing my style a little bit and how it's kind of honed in over time and now I'm at a place where I'm really excited and happy to just keep making that same work and I think you want to find a place that's similar to that but whether you have to stick to the same industry I don't think necessarily but I think maybe that your style will start to dictate the kinds of industries that you might see yourself getting into is that making sense yeah I think it makes sense I do believe you got to know there's a few in you know within the industry there will be let's say illustration and then you can do a lot of things with illustration and you've got children's book which is also illustration but it's still a bit more niche mm-hmm. or like let's say surface design editorial and, yeah but it's sometimes nice to know what you want to do because you can kind of focus in your work on that you know so if let's say I've been thinking a lot about this like, let's say one of my dream clients is like Roxy or Quicksilver is doing mm-hmm. something for like a surf brand okay and I was thinking a lot about it the other day I was like ah. Oh what would they need? Like, mm-hmm. how could this happen? Yeah. I'm like, well, they need surface design. They need pattern design, right? Like, yeah. let's say on swimwear, I'm not going to be doing my little stationary thing. Yeah. So they don't want lettering. They want, mm-hmm. like, pattern. I'm like, okay, well, I need to do more of that. Maybe yeah. I need to spend time just drawing loads of different patterns that could look good. So it is nice to also sometimes focus on something, depending on what you want to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking when you... When you're starting out, that is part of it, that you're just exploring those different avenues to go down Mm -hmm. and there's no shame in having like a go at lots of different stuff. But I think it's important to say that you don't need to like share all of that or like it's all kind of like a personal kind of journey that you're going on. And if you're starting to really like a certain way that you're doing something, that's when like you can start kind of sharing it out or sending it out to people. But there's, yeah, it's not like a... A shameful thing to be trying out different stuff but I think it is to get into and I do know like that there are certain art directors who would really want to see a really strong 
uh, way of working before they like they want to see a consistent style. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then equally, some art directors would want you to have versatility. It just really depends on again, I guess, the industry that they're they're working in. I think editorial, from what I can um, gather, is is the one that they want to see that you you do something in a very specific style because. If they've got an idea for something with the fast turnarounds that editorial has sometimes, it's like they want to know that you can just do it do and it will it, be yeah. what they've got in their head, which is a bit yeah. of a scary guesswork thing. But um, they want to know that you can achieve that. And yeah, so it's always better to be working towards a kind of unified way of working. But I, yeah, it's the different kind of industries and the different uh, fields can vary I think yeah they can overlap I think at the end of the day still explore and and have fun with it and like you said you don't need to share everything we all do lose the stuff that we never share that you try and it fails and you're like (laughs) oh and you know although I do think it'd be worth sharing sometimes to talk about it but yeah it's really interesting okay next question that one is a bit niche but it's interesting as well I have always wanted to design and make my own wrapping paper but no idea where or how to start What would you guys suggest? There seems to be loads of online courses, but very few, if any, face-to-face ones on how to use digital slash tech to create prints. So I don't know if there's any face-to-face courses those days anymore. No, unless it's like workshops, do they mean? Yeah, but you wouldn't have something that's digital, Mm. you know, like a skill that's a digital skill. I don't think you'd have face-to-face workshops. Maybe we need to bring them back. I don't know where this person is. But there's so many... I mean, you mentioned it, you said online courses. Yeah, there's so many, so many. Because where to start is understanding pattern design, surface design and drawing and and making some some patterns and having fun with it. Yeah, I that's think. the very start, isn't it? To like understand how to do, to do patterns and create that kind of work that seamlessly goes from one to the other. Because I've yeah. created patterns before and then when you see it large, you're like, oh, I don't know if I like this. So it takes a lot of practice to get that, yeah. that balance right understanding scale and yeah creating repeat patterns and things that merge seamlessly although there's so many different types of patterns as well like you can create things where it's just elements that are next to each other and it's kind of easier but like you said there's so much to it in terms of visual aspects because it needs to look good and when you're creating things if you're just doing like when I first started out I used to draw things Let's say I'd do like a dog and then I'd do sunglasses and then shoes or whatever. Put them together. And it was like, oh, no, it's weird because I'm just putting things together. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get to a point where you kind of draw things seamlessly and you make them work together. So yeah. I'd definitely say you, you'll really struggle to find face-to-face courses for that. But there's so many good online Yeah, ones. and I'm thinking about because I only really learned how to do patterns a couple of years ago. Probably from your challenge, you do the... Yeah. The pattern challenge. challenge. Starting next month again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it was just self-taught of like, okay, I vaguely understand how I want stuff to combine together, but like how quite literally in Photoshop do I do this? And it literally took me looking up on like WikiHow or whatever, like Googling. Yeah. And it is, uh, I mean, to go through the step by step, I think would be kind of complicated now. I might not be able to do it off the top of my head, but it is just like you get a way of doing it so that you can start playing around with it as well. And that kind of informs you to how to like create a pattern that is, that doesn't have gaps or awkward kind of spacing and being able to play around with it. So yeah, I think that's the first step. And then obviously it's the printing it themselves. I wonder if that's what they're asking about as well. 
um, which I'm, again, you it, it depends how much money you want to to put into it, um, but there are places that you can yeah. print rolls it's, yourself yeah. and, and do all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. quite, that's quite easy. Yeah. And you can get samples and... Um, I think the thing with wrapping paper, I'd say, is really checking the the GSM, like the actual uh, thickness of the paper, because mm-hmm. I've printed some before that was way too thick, mm, and yeah. and then it's just a bullock to the wrap things of the with wrapping. it. Yeah, it you're pretty. like, oh, it looks so pretty, <laughs> and then you're like, I can't wrap with it. Like tape won't like stick to it. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's very fairly easy, and the printing is fairly easy part. It's just you know, and I would say what's nice is if you want to do it as a nice little side project to also show, let's say, future clients that you can do patterns for stationery and stuff like that is to do like a little series. So don't just do one pattern, do like maybe three that complement each other and like a nice color palette. Mm-hmm. And you print That's why that out. pattern challenge is so useful because it does kind of set you up for having little yeah. bits and it's just really fun to do. Yeah, the next one in Feb, I was going to give myself some, like a color palette and mm. uh, and I did, but then I ended up going a bit wild because <laughs> I get a bit like, oh, I want it because I did like a bit of a wintry color palette, obviously. Mm. And then... I ended up adding more colors to it. I was like, ah, never mind. I'm having fun with it. You you need to have fun with it. But that's a good, yeah, if you want to take part to the pattern challenge, there's loads of challenges on Instagram to to do patterns or even normal illustrations. So that's Mm -hmm. always a good thing to do as well. Yeah, and I was just thinking quite specifically, there's a, again, you could, do your own googling in terms of uh, like different price points and stuff but I know if you just want to do it kind of one-off or stuff for your own thing that contrado is quite a good one I've printed wallpaper Mm -hmm. there before and the quality is really good but again it's it would take a bit of like searching around if you were going to sell it uh, it's not up yet. Oh, is it <laughs> I not? did print it. I printed it ages ago. Oh, so, you need to put it up. I know, I do. <laughs> you need some Aries energy to come do that for yeah. you. I like Contrado. It's not the cheapest, but No, that's I have... what I was thinking. It might not be the best for if you were trying to like I don't know if this person wants to sell their work like mm. stuff that that suddenly puts the price point up, which actually leads us to a good next question yeah. if you want to go for it. Do you think we've answered that one? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So how do you navigate suppliers and finding trusted places to order from? So again, quite, I guess like a a specific one. And the price point thing is definitely something to consider quite a lot and and to kind of look around for for different places that might do it. Um, You probably have more experience of of printing than Mm. me, do you? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I guess I have done a lot. Because I did Spellbound, the magazine. I think it really depends on what you're printing, what you're doing it for. So like you said, Maddy, if you're going to sell products, um, that's something to take into consideration because you need to make, you know, to reimburse yourself with the price point. But also it's nice if you make a little profit. So there's so many different suppliers. I think the way to find them there's many ways. It's like asking your friends if they're in the industry, mm-hmm. um, asking whoever you want to ask. And hopefully, like I always answer questions like that when I get asked. So, you know, asking people you like that have done yeah. things and say, hey, what do you recommend for printing magazines or whatever? And there's loads of different places. Cause let's say there's all the, you know, Moo printed. Um, what's the other one? It's been a while since I've printed things. There's places that will print, it's kind of like on, not on yes, demand. Yes, I but, you use know. printed and yeah. it can be, yeah. Like really it's good. quite fairly easy and you can mm-hmm. see straight away how much it is and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's fairly cheap as well. Moo's a bit more expensive, but I personally think the quality I think is better. Moves, yeah, quality is um, really good. But for instance, when I did my magazine Spellbound, I had to go through an actual printer, like a, like it was a printing yeah. company 
and you know I had to talk to them and they quoted me it was a mm -hmm. bit more of an official process and it was also way more expensive but then you can choose papers you can choose loads of different things Contrado I really like I printed fabric with them loads of different things so in terms of knowing who to trust it's a lot of trial and error yeah, I think unfortunately it is isn't it to... unless you can ask people who yeah. specifically use that which again I think is your most Best useful bet. tool yeah. but if you're kind of going it alone it can just be a little bit of a, a trial and error situation and because something that you might want might not be the same thing um that other Someone people else, want or yeah. like the paper quality or yeah can be so different so you want it in your actual hands to kind of and you can ask different places for the samples um, samples yeah. and even sample papers can be really useful so it's just about doing that first like first bit of research and before you go off to print stuff and I, I wondered what you thought about this as well because I've had a lot of trial and errors by uh like printing quite a lot of stuff at once mm. and then having loads of stuff left over and just being like oh I've printed 50 of these and there's no like because I didn't have like a setup online store or anything you're only selling through um marketplaces and stuff so yeah it can it can be a little bit of trial and error to even know how much to print and what and because that changes the price point as well yeah. I was like oh per cost like it's cheaper to print more but then you're left over with a bunch of stuff and you have to sell more to even make that money back so it can definitely just be a bit of trial and error yeah I agree I have when I first started out and I did a lot of greeting cards mm -hmm. and I thought that was such a good way to first do a lot of illustrations and print them and yeah. but also get me like got me some clients at the beginning because they're like oh cool yeah you can do stationery but uh, yeah I still have cards from 2016 in my, <laughs> yeah. in my drawers definitely don't overprint. but like you mentioned it's really interesting because what, what's annoying about printing and like or supply like suppliers because you said suppliers so it could be it's not necessarily printing but we're thinking paper goods yeah is that the more you print the cheaper it is and then it means you could use better paper so when it's big brands that can do really cool stuff and use really cool papers and do foiling and do loads of fun stuff which you won't be able to do if you have a small budget and and need to print like 20 so that's something i found like you know if you want to do foiling on on really nice paper like gf smith's paper for some cards it's like if you're just printing 50 it'll be so expensive mm -hmm. and not worth it unless it's unless you have a lot of money and, and <laughs> yeah, you, know, you want the lottery and you're having fun uh, <laughs> which i probably do if i won the lottery i'll be like oh let's just print, <laughs> let's print some really fancy things. stuff yeah. um no no actually i'll buy a seaplane that's what <laughs> What will you do? Oh, that, is that a question that we yeah. <laughs> should answer? What will you do if you? What will you buy if you do? Oh, if I could buy anything, um, Carl, I'm really not very good at thinking on the spot like that. Well, you don't know what was your biggest like dream. No, buy. I think I just want to live really comfortably and like. I love it. <laughs> yeah, exist. Yeah, I don't have a seaplane. Is a good answer though. And um, a bike in it, and then I can travel in. And obviously, I need to take Mike and River, so it needs to be like a seaplane, but like set up like a house, mm, like a seaplane camper van, house, you know? Yeah. But with a bike as well, so that we can go places, and and then I'm the only one that You've goes really out. You really thought about this. I need to get. I have. Maybe. And there's no way I'm going to win the lottery because I don't play it. I don't believe in it. So yeah. maybe next episode I'll have a better answer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll you better think it. about it. I will ask you. Yeah. Next one, you're gonna. Okay. No, actually, we've got two more questions. And we feel like there's one of them Maddie can answer to because I've got no idea. <laughs> and the other one, Maddie doesn't have any idea yeah. either. So this first one is for Maddie. 
Yes, so it's sometimes I see people sketch out their design in blue pencil before they go over it in colour. Do either of you do this? Is there a benefit to this over regular old graphite? I know it's a bit less smudgy, but I sometimes find the blue harder to raise when I've tried it. And I have definitely seen this. Have you never seen this before where it's a blue pencil? Because no. I think it's more in the I think it's more in the animation industry from what I can understand. And also I had to look this up myself because I was like, I think I know the answer to this, but is it like an old wives tale or whatever? Yeah. So what it is is that um back in like when they would photocopy, like designers would photocopy their ink drawings to put it onto like something digital or for whatever reason there'd be certain colors of blue that just wouldn't pick up on the photocopy so they could do their sketch layer and then ink it over the top and they wouldn't have to rub anything out and risk like rubbing the ink or like smudging the ink um so I genuinely think that is the the like correct thing but then people still do it today I think from what I understand I think it is literally just that it's kind of an older thing and that Maybe some people like that kind of blue line that keeps it very different from the darker, like black lines or gray lines or whatever they're using. Um, so I think it can definitely be those things. I also had a little look and I was like, I think there are some very specific blue pencils that people have created over the years that are easier to rub out. And they are like, so I don't know if this person has used the like just normal blue pencil, like normal watercolor blue pencil or whatever. But I think there are some very specific ones that might be better to easier to erase but I don't use them myself I've always sketched just with normal HB <laughs> 2B mm. pencils um do you have like a specific pencil or anything you like sketching with the most I like sketching with um normal pencil as well oh, is it like to HB? be fair yeah yeah even thinner I think mm. I don't I don't I sketch with anything I used to really love sketching with like sharpies but then it gives me a headache <laughs> But yeah. I love, I love just pen. very bold line. Yeah, mm, I'm the same actually. And I, sometimes I really, it, it depends what kind of sketching I'm doing. I think if I'm doing it for a client and I want to get it really right, I sometimes use a softer pencil. But, then, but I, I yeah. like mechanical pencils because uh, that feels like I've got almost like a pen line wait, already. Do, are you sketching? Because I think there's so many. Like that's more sketching for me. So let's say I've got my notebooks where I just do loads of scribbles. Mm -hmm. But these sketches will never go to a client. So that will be the the horrible sketches in my notebook. <laughs> yeah. And then the actual sketches will be pretty, my sketches are pretty final. Like they look yeah. really good because I want to, I don't want to send something looking horrible. No, I do too. Um, and, and, and that's on Photoshop. <laughs> like I'll do it on the computer. So yeah. they're very neat. Uh, and that I like to use the fake, I can't remember which one it is, but it looks a little bit like a pencil as well. Oh, on Photoshop. So like it's got a little bit of a texture to yeah, it. Yeah, same. Yeah, I always, that's fun. yeah, funny you bring it up. It's like, that's definitely a thing that I still do is use like a pencil, yeah, a pencil thing to thing. sketch on, even on digital, yeah. just to give it that same same feeling. So that's why I didn't really know for this question, because my official sketches are on that, like on the computer, mm. but then the other ones are, you know, nobody will ever see them. Yeah, I call that the ugly disgusting. sketch because it's yeah. like, it's literally one it's like, that you're just doing something and then defining it. And sometimes I'll do up to like three sketches, I reckon, of things before I even start doing the, the line work or whatever it is. Yeah. Just to get it. I call them lazy sketches because <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit like, you know, when I've got really good handwriting and I love writing, mm. but when I'm writing things fast, sometimes it's like, you're being oh, yeah. really lazy and it just looks, <laughs> it doesn't even look like anything. And it's the same with sketches. You're like, I want to, you know. You just want to get something on the paper. And yeah, I think to it remember is where the idea is. Because I wouldn't be able to start any other way. Like I need to have something kind of ugly and start like starting yeah, out to do that. But yeah, I thought that was a, a 
good, like very specific question, but I hope that answers it for you. Okay, so our last question is for me because I mean, Maddie can, uh, you know, I'll chime give her, in. Yeah, chime, chime in. <laughs> Tell serious. us what she thinks. So, well, actually, yeah, we. I'll ask you a question after that. So, this person asks, "What are your thoughts on using socials in English, but living in a non-English speaking country?" I am from Argentina, and I want to get work outside of my country without being super rude and speak 100% in English because I have a small following and online shop from here. I saw some people that write in both languages in the same post, but when I do it, I feel awkward. So I can't make up my mind about it. So this is very interesting because obviously I'm French, as all of you may not know. <laughs> and I had that same kind of thinking, well, I had to think about this when I first moved to the UK Uh, and even before, to be honest. So I think I see a lot of people do that, have like a lot of French people actually write in both languages in their post. And I see a lot of French people just write in English like me, which led to my aunt not talking to me ever again because mm. she was really upset. Yeah, it's actually not fun. I don't know why I'm saying it, but she was upset that I didn't uh, write in French anymore. But I think both are valid Obviously, it's a lot of work to do in both languages. And I personally got lazy with it. I was like, I want to work with English, you know, English speaking people. I want to work all over the world, like you mentioned in your question. I don't need to put anything in French. I'm still going to answer my French comments. I still can say, you know, I can still speak French. I'm still here, but my identity isn't defined by that. So I'm happy to write in English. I think for you, it really depends on yeah on that as well if it's important for you to retain that identity and write in Spanish as well it's a hard question to answer because I personally don't think it matters and people that follow you now should be able to hopefully it's you know still enjoy your work even if you just write in English but like you said it's tricky because if you've got loads of people that only speak Spanish you want them to understand what you're saying it's a really tricky question yeah because it's it's an interesting one for me looking inside because I definitely follow a lot of people who do both. Yeah. And for me, it obviously is something that I just, I read the English one and I go, that's good. Like, yeah. I don't, you don't but then care. I understand that that's a, lot a, of work. that's a double amount of the work. So I, I do understand that that's really annoying and must be really tricky to, to deal with. I think at the end of the day, it's like, do what feels comfortable and, and right for you. And like you said, it feels awkward when you do both languages in the same post. You feel that way and that's valid. I don't think it is awkward. I guess I that's what I meant. Really, yeah, yeah, from looking in yeah. the other way, I'm just like... It's, it's not, not awkward. Yeah, anything that anyone would... If anything, I think it's... Any, cool. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a cool thing. I think if you're willing to do it and you have the energy and the space for it, do it. It's not awkward. It's really good and people, especially your current community, will be happy for it. But um, if you're annoyed and you don't want the work just write in English ah it's mm -hmm. fine <laughs> yeah I've not again I remember doing it and not looking back but again my community wasn't did you start French. by writing in French I like, don't think did you ever yeah no I'd uh, what I was doing is I was writing a blog when I was after I graduated in Paris I went to Chile for six months and I was doing a blog and in the blog I wrote in both French and English Mm -hmm. And I even did a book coming back with pictures in it, and I wrote it in both English and French. And then it just got too much. I was like, I'm in the UK now. I don't want to be doing this anymore. Yeah. And I don't think it matters to me that much. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really a personal thing of. Yeah, at the end of the day, with. it is. 
So yeah, hopefully that answers that question. But it's it's always a bit delicate. Anyway, this was fun. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, we've had some really good questions, and yeah, so grateful for like a really good diverse amount of different kinds of things to answer. So yeah, keep them coming. Yeah, we're excited for not next week, the week after that. Yeah. And uh, Maddie and I were just saying it's really nice because it gets us to catch up. Yeah, exactly. As well. Yeah, and thanks again. And send your questions for the next episode, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay, bye.